talked, gosh, it's it's been a little while since we first talked and due to a technical snafu, I was unable to capture the vast majority of that conversation. But it, I know a lot has happened over the past couple of years um, to all of us. And I'm curious, really, before we get into the heavy questions, how has the last two years transformed the way you think and the way you function in achieving the goals that you've set for yourself? Let's start there. How about that? That's a great question. I think with everything in regards to, you know, COVID-19 and the economy and just everything that, that's gone on, I think how that's really impacted me is trying to find a balance in life um, rather than just focusing on one particular thing. So I used to be really, really involved with only kind of focusing all my energy and efforts into work. Um, so, you know, my, I was working like 12 hour days in the office, you know, 60 hour weeks, like really kind of giving my heart and soul into, you know, company business, you know, that wasn't mine. And, um, you know, once that COVID hit, basically, you know, within a span of a day, there were just like 300 people from the company laid off um, just out of nowhere. People lose their income, people lose their livelihoods, no, no, not just obviously in that company, but all over the United States and the world. Um, so I thankfully wasn't laid off, but it kind of just put into perspective of, you know, um, at a lot of these, you know, big corporations and companies, you really are disposable and you really are just a number despite what they might say. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be an entrepreneur or, you know, escape the rat race, so to speak, but at the same time prioritizing you know um some sort of balance where like you can enjoy your life and get meaningful experiences while also you know achieving that too and it's funny because you know i know the united states has a big you know emphasis on you know hustle culture and you need to be grinding and grinding and grinding you know you start your own business you can be a millionaire it's it's all material based but I think that they, what they get wrong a lot of times is that there's a diminishing return when it comes to how much you work. Um, and, you know, and I think a lot of it is fake um, too. You know, it's just like, like saying how many hours you work in a week is not really a flex or, you know, how much, you know, you've done X, Y, Z. I mean, all those things are great achievements, but, you know, what they won't tell you is what, what other costs are hidden that are associated with that. So like, yeah, I work 60 hours a week, but, um, you know, I'm not taking care of my body. I feel like shit and, you know, my wife and kids get no attention or, um, you know, whatever else the case is, um, or I can't enjoy anything that I like to do outside of work and I'm burned out. And I think that COVID and the last two years have changed a lot of the, like, that kind of landscape um, a lot within a lot of people where people are more prioritizing, you know, other things just besides that. And the funny thing yeah, is, those, is are, that, yep. those are two interesting words that you use balance and priority. I, I hear a lot of time people set up, man, I wish I could find balance, but I, I've always, I've always doubted that there is such a thing as balance that really the only thing there is, is the other word you said, which is priority how we stack up our day and accomplish things by putting the most important thing first or the biggest challenge first, how, whatever your, your process is of, of putting things in their place that 
that's how we move forward. It is not with balance. It's through prioritization and alignment with a goal. So tear that apart for me and tell me where I'm, I'm, I'm off base or on point. Um, I guess like, it, it just depends on what specifically that, that you want to accomplish, whether it be with, you know, finances or fitness or whatever else the case is in terms of prioritizing time. There's one kind of cool trick that, that I learned. Um, I forgot it was one of the sales. I read some sort of sales book and the author was resonated with me quite a bit. Um, and what he did was called this called time blocking. Basically you can do this on like your outlook calendar or Gmail and you can set, you know, an hour to do, you know, one certain task. Um, you know, I don't think that multi multitasking is something that a lot of people are good at. Like me. Yeah, that's a myth. Yeah. <laughs> me personally, I can't multitask. So what I'll do is I'll like say, okay, from, you know, say for example, like 10 to 11 AM, like I'm going to solely, you know, just make, you know, prospecting phone calls. Um, I'm going to try to make like 20, 30 dials, have that many conversations an hour. And then once that hour's up, I'm going to, you know, I can get up, I can, you know, check social media uh, for a bit, you know, get a glass of water, maybe walk around. Um, and then I'll do like another hour block of like, okay, I'm going to do research or like send emails or build proposals or go to meetings or whatever. So that's like a good way to, to prioritize like what you need to get done. Um, and obviously that, that changes during, you know, each particular day. So there'll be like, we're just talking work related things. Like there'll be certain times of the day where you know, um, I need to prioritize on like closing business, um, especially if it's like the end of the month or something like that. So I'll be focused more on that rather than prospecting. And then once the new month rolls around, I'll, I'll block out mm -hmm. more time for prospecting. So um, I would say that's a really good, you know, type of hack um, that, that I've used in terms of prioritizing. Um, but, you know, over time, you know, goals and things like that change too. And it just depends on what, you know, what someone wants. I think in terms of the past two years, kind of tying back in the original question, I think that people are more focused on prioritizing their mental health, their physical health, time outside of work with their families, um, mm -hmm. getting to enjoy traveling, things like that. And as far as work goes, I think that they still want to work hard and put in those hours but they want to be fairly compensated for their time and effort. They want to have recognition and um, they want to, you know, basically, you know, have be work a little bit more separate from their actual personal life. So like, you know, you start at eight, you know, the day ends at five and then, you know, once five comes around, then, you know, you're done for the day. And the thing is too, is that it, the more hours you work, the less effective you are anyway. So like, say for example, you work 50 hours a week, versus 70 hours a week, there's, there's a study done that, that suggests that there's literally no difference between somebody working like 40 or 50 hours a week versus working 70 hours a week in terms of what they can accomplish in productivity. Um, the only difference is, is the people that are working more hours, you know, are more likely at risk for, you know, you know, conditions. If they're working like a physically demanding job, the risk of injury goes up quite a bit. Um, and, and essentially nothing gets done. Um, so I and think their it's mental always, and physical health probably tanks as well. Exactly. Yeah. So me, you know, I prioritize like going to the gym and, and staying in shape in, in terms for, you know, my own self and then, you know, modeling purposes too on the side. So, you know, my day ends at, you know, I work from 730 to 430. 
So my day ends at 4.30. Um, you know, I'm, I checked out from, from work, unless like I have to take a call and it goes a couple minutes over that time. But, you know, once that, once that sure. time hits, like I'm, I'm done with work for the day, you know, now I'm going to work out for a couple hours and, and just relax for the rest of the yeah, evening. Get the, day out of, get the day out of your head. So do you think exactly. the pandemic amplified a lot of these gaps in people's lives uh, and and made their realization probably elevate that well let me back up just a minute i i think you can certainly tell what someone's priorities are if you look in their checkbook and see where they spend their money energy and then look at their calendar and see where they spend their time energy i think the pandemic amplified the fact that people's priorities were perhaps mixed a little bit and maybe there was some realignment that needed to take place. And probably it's going to take us a couple of years to get back into what a new normal looks like, because I think people are more willing to experiment right now with what their day looks like, what their productivity looks like, what their relationships look like. Is is that fair? Oh, yeah, definitely. And especially with, um, you know, Generation Z, which, you know, I'm on the very oldest spectrum of, of Gen Z. So I'm 25 now. So I, I'm like basically like the oldest this year but this is more so that, that i've seen um and i think that there's a little there's definitely like a lot of merit for what gen z wants in terms of their life and, and workplace um and there's a lot of pushback from older generations like the baby boomers or um you know that are basically like you're tight you're entitled like you're spoiled you know nobody wants to work anymore um but i, I don't necessarily think that's the case i mean unemployment is at such a low level it's like the lowest it's been in a while that you know it's like three something it's like 3.5 percent so obviously people are working so i don't know where where people say that nobody wants to work anymore i think that just nobody wants to work anymore for jobs that are you know extremely underpaid to a point where you can't even survive anywhere right so oh, that's like, interesting i didn't I hadn't seen it from that perspective because you know i can walk around town and see job postings everywhere but you think you you think through this new lens of living that that we're all looking through right now people are looking at greater opportunity is that what i hear you saying rather than settling for what what once was people are looking a little higher that's that's a yeah, different viewpoint yeah i think i think remote work and is what people want so basically you know what's trending and what's hot is you know working remotely in the tech industry which is something that you know i've kind of done before it got trendy and cool um but I think one thing that, that, that Gen Z kind of gets wrong is they want all those benefits and, and perks without getting some experience first, right? So they, like I've had about three, got a little bit over three years of experience under my belt and you know, I have a good track record. So I'm able to kind of negotiate, you know, like for me, I, I work a hybrid environment because the office is pretty close. So like I'll be in the office some days of the week doing person meetings, but there's like a day where, you know, there's not as many meetings than like I, I choose to work from home, which is something I can mm -hmm. do. But I think that the biggest gap is like, you know, some people like say, for example, they graduate college. They're like, yeah, I want a remote job that pays a hundred thousand a year. That's entry level. Um, and I think that's just a little bit unrealistic um, to expect because they're, everybody wants a remote job or hybrid or whatever, and they want to be paid a lot. And those jobs are out there, but they're very competitive and they're very hard to get. So um, the jobs that are, you know, basically what everyone claims that nobody wants to work anymore, you see the hiring signs, mostly at like retail, 
um, service industry, yeah, service industry, um, like you know, McDonald's or like KFC, you know, retail like Kohl's, Macy's, whatever, warehouses sometimes, some blue collar work. Um, the reason why is because you know the younger generation, my generation, wants to get those remote remote positions, um, and they don't want to settle for you know those type of roles. And a big reason for that too is just because of you know the amount of pay and the treatment that some of those workers get. I think they're they're really overworked and they're they're underpaid. Um, you know, if you're making like ten bucks an hour, say working at Target or Kohl's, you know, and you're on your feet all the time, you know, one that's that's not much. But I think you know people would take those jobs if they actually paid a living wage. So like if if for example. You know, I can work at Kohl's or, you know, Amazon or wherever else the case is and be able to afford, you know, like a studio apartment and, you know, meet all my my basic necessities like food, um, you know, some clothing, electricity, Internet um, and like a car payment and, you know, save a couple hundred bucks a month. Then I think that a lot of people would be really, really happy. Um, but those jobs don't really pay enough for people to just basically survive unless they're working like two, three jobs at a time, um, which is really not sustainable. So that's why I don't think people want to go work for those, those jobs. Um, so there's, there's two sides of the coin. Like, well, I mean, you know, it's a very low skill like, type of labor. Like, you, you know, why should we pay you that much? Um, like go to school, whatever. Then if you go to school and, <laughs> you know, you get all the student loan debt and stuff like that, then, you know, a lot of times, you know, some of these, these roles too, even with college degrees, they just lowball the crap out of you in terms of, you know, compensation. Like I've had a few interviews with, with places with, you know, my experience and everything like that, my track record, they're like, we want to offer you like a 30K or 40K base, which I'm, I just laugh at them. I'm like, like I have three years of experience and a degree and this is how much you want to pay me. So I just immediately walk away from that. And not because I don't think the company's bad. It's just because it's not enough for me to live on. So it's just not physically sure. possible. So I think that people are reprioritizing to the point where they want flexibility in their work. Their work. They want to work remotely or hybrid. And they want to be fairly compensated. And I think there's you know people that are realistic about it. But there's also people that are kind of like entitled to that are like yeah i have you know just give me a job that works remotely that pays me all this money and i really have to don't have to do anything um that's not really like realistic either so it's kind of finding the middle ground um and you know getting some experience and you know finding that that rule that can allow for you know good compensation like you can work remotely and all that kind of stuff um but it takes time and you know they're not easy to to find um, job wise. So. Yeah, that's, that, that's fair. That's fair. You know, I heard um, a statistic, and maybe it was just in healthcare. Actually, I think it was in healthcare. So um, a new physician, for instance, who comes in into a healthcare practice, it costs the practice on average, about $100,000 to onboard a new physician into their role through mm -hmm. training, uh, compensation, what whatever the components are. And I'm sure there's a percentage of that, that um, people in other entry-level jobs like that, there is an onboarding cost to the organization. And, and with 
with people who are job hopping right now, looking for the next best opportunity, you know, not being fully committed to their place of employment for long until the next opportunity comes up, man, I think that's costing some businesses some money, right? In, in this constant turnover battle that they're, they're having. What, what input do you have there, both from the, the employee side looking at those jobs and then for the employer, what, what wisdom can you share from those two perspectives? Well, I've job hopped a little bit. So I have some good insight on this. Like I stayed at my first company for about two years. Then I was with another startup for about, you know, a year and a half. And then, you know, I'm with this job now. So I wouldn't consider like, you know, like it just depends on what your like definition of job hopping is. I guess within my industry in tech and sales, you know, staying at an organization for like a year or a year and a half, two years is not really considered like job hopping necessarily. Um, you know, cause I've been there for a considerable, like an okay amount of time, but like, I don't know. It just depends on what your definition is. Like some people consider like, if you move every three years, you're a job hopper. If you, you know, move every year, you're a job hopper. And then there's other people that, you know, are moving like every couple months. Um, and I think moving every couple months is, like if you're with a job for like four or five months and you're like moving around, um, then I don't know. It's just, it just really depends on like who you ask and what industry you're in and who you're interviewing with on how they view it. Um, but from an employee perspective, I think there's really, you know, three, a couple of reasons why people leave jobs. I think compensation is a big one. Um, a lot of times organizations, if, if you stay with the company, um, you know, they won't really give you a raise or in sales, what, what they do usually every year is they change the commission plan and your, your, basically your comp plan to a point where, you know, we want you to sell more, but like you get paid less commission. Um, and we're squeezing you. Yeah. yeah and you're kind of like chasing that carrot. They kind of like dangle a carrot in front of you and uh, you're constantly chasing the carrot for, you know, the deep, the bonuses, the, the trips, whatever. Um, it's always something, right? So I think that, you know, some people wake up, they've been with the company for like year, year and a half. They see the comp plan changing and they're like, you know what? Like this company's offering me 20K more or like a, a decent pay raise. You know, I'm going to leave. Um, another thing could be just culture within the organization. So, you know, if the the workplace is, is toxic or the employee morale is low, like there's very high turnover within the organization as it is. It kind of feels like a big kind of just machine um, from that standpoint. I think that's another big reason. Um, and the third, it can just be like direct middle management. Um, so that's mm -hmm. the reason why I left my last job. Um, you know, I loved the company, you know, I loved, um, you know, the compensation was great like the company and, you know, the product we have selling was good. Um, but just that the, we had new management come in. There's a lot of like restructuring within management. Um, and, you know, once that, that new management came in, just did not, just, it changed, um, you know, just for it my changed the culture, it changed your experience. It changed a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would even go as far as to say that this, this manager had it out for me personally from, from day one. Wow. Reason. I, I don't know the reasoning why. I mean, my guess would be because most I was the youngest member of the team by far. You know, I was 25 and, you know, most of the people I was working with could be my parents. 
Um, so, um, that might've been a reason. Um, but you know, there's no way to like necessarily prove that. Sure. So, um, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing. And then, you know, sometimes people leave because they just don't get recognized for their work. Um, and you know, uh, you know, appreciated for their work. So it, it just really depends. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why people might, might leave a job for me. The, the reason why I left my first job was due to, you know, um, the, a, a salary decrease due to COVID. They cut pay and then they laid off half the employees. The employee morale was very low. Turnover was ridiculously high. You know, I was like one of the veterans on the team being there for like two years because just turnover was very, very high within sales. Um, you know, pretty good company, um, but, you know, just the turnover was too much. And then it kind of went started to go downhill a little bit. So. Oh, I left and pretty much everybody that I keep in touch with that, that used to work with me also has left. So, you know, that was the first company. Yeah, the second company, um, second company I just left due to a uh, compensation. Um, so that was the biggest thing. You know, I, I liked the company. I liked the culture. Like everything was great. Um, just got like a little bit bored and, um, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I moved into this new house. I bought a place and, you know, um, money was important to me at that time because um, I, I put a lot of equity into the place that I moved into. Um, so I, I really needed some more income. I wanted some more income because um, there's a lot of hidden costs of buying a house and stuff like that with like closing costs, like moving, sure. furniture, you know, everything that goes into it, um, property taxes, you know, HOA fees. I can go on, but um yeah, I left because of that. And then, um, you know, then on the third company, yeah, I was just, uh, you know, the management. Um, so there's a lot of different, different reasons. But one thing that's interesting, though, is, you know, in interviews, um, I've never been asked, like, you know, um, there obviously there's, there, there's questions that comes up that like, you know, why are you considering leaving your, your current employer, but it's never been like, you know, why did you only stay with X company for this amount of time? Like, it's never been, you know, brought to my attention of like, you know, you're risky to hire, you're a job hopper, like never. Interesting. So, okay. Um, I guess it just depends on what, what interest industry you're in. But I think that the general consensus is, is that that's kind of going away because, you know, company loyalty was really you know, strong a long time ago. And the reason why is because companies offered really great benefits and retirement plans, pensions. Um, so now there's, there's really, you know, companies have, have shown people through COVID and, you know, more recently with tech layoffs that you're just a number and they do what's in their best interest. So employees are like, well, if you're going to, I've been working for you for 15 years, you just cut me without any remorse on a Zoom call. Um, then... Yeah you know, why should I give any loyalty to you either? So yeah, um, th that's the biggest Mitch, thing. I, I think you hit, you hit all the nails on the head with what I hear young people your age, even the 25 to 35 year olds, when they talk about what's important to them at work and what they are having difficulty finding uh, in role, that's the reason for the hop. It, it it is it is really not anything personal it is something that's not being offered if you will so i think companies need to pay attention to some degree and and i certainly understand the entitlement of of some irrational 
expectations that are out there from the workforce perspective. I get that. But I think companies need to be asking these kind of questions of, of young leaders your age to find out what they're missing in the offering. Because leadership is clearly important to you, right? Your upline manager, I hate to call them that because they should be upline leaders, made a toxic environment for you, which changed your culture, changed your cultural experience at work. So man, that one person can impact your willingness to stay. So it's important that people get good leaders, pay them well, have a good culture, uh, good benefits, um, recognition, you, you name all the hot buckets I hear, Mitch. That's that's awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, if I were a business owner, I mean, I would focus on, you know, paying my employees a fair and good, good rate, um, actively praising them and encouraging them for the work that they've done um, and letting them do their, their jobs. Um, I would say like, mm. that'd be the three things. I was also like heavily micromanaged too. So I'm sure everybody's had a story of being micromanaged and some capacity, nobody likes to be managed. It was, it was, it was getting to the point where the micromanaging was like very bad. She was like calling me like after work hours and my weekends and calling me oh, like wow. a couple times a day to see what I was doing. I had to like submit emails every day. And this was for everybody, but, um, you know, it was like, I just was like, you can see the reports like on, on the dashboard and our CRM, like of how many calls and, and shit that I'm doing every day. So like, why do you need me to call you and tell you that and send you an email every day to show you that when you can just look exactly. it up? Good point. Um, so, you know, that stuff like that really, um, demoralizes employees and pisses them off and you know they leave um right now instead of the great resignation that's going that was you know popular last year now it's quiet quitting it's a new term that that's going around so basically what that means is you know you still are employed at your job but you're kind of only doing the you know bare minimum right you know actually it's not not even the bare minimum and this is a negative connotation because it's basically you're just doing what the job entails in the scope so people like aren't going you know necessarily above and beyond as much as they were anymore so they're just basically doing their jobs of what was entitled um in the you know job description and what their role is tasked to do and, and nothing more because people are waking up to basically you know realizing that like super super hard work and going above beyond staying after hours all this other kind of stuff doesn't really matter um, as, as much. And I agree with that because I, I used to buy into the idea, you know, fresh out of college, I was told by my professors, like, you need to go above and beyond, like, just work really hard, just do this, just do that. And, um, you know, I did that. I worked way more hours than was on the job description, went above and beyond. And, um, you know, you know, I was just a number at, at the end of the day um, was, was really what it was. And the funny thing is, is that they owed me commission money when I left, like lots of money and they never paid it. So what is, what is hard work mean? Um, if that's gonna be your reward. Yeah, and yet there are cultures, there are employment cultures that, that do reward that. So again, it is, it is the job um, on, on the individual, to vet and to find those environments for growth. And, and that that's hard because there's not a big sign. I'm looking out a big window in Phoenix right now. There are no signs that say, hey, we, we reward hard work. 
you've got to go find it. And I would, I would hate for people to believe hard work is never rewarded, right? Um, because we see what you've done in the gym, uh, just to, to, to give a physical representation of what hard work and dedication can do, your reward comes through, I would say, appreciation for the journey that you chose to go on consistently through perseverance. I would say work is the same thing, Mitch. Is that is that a fair statement? Definitely. Um, it, it, I would say there's a good, good, accurate representation. Um, it, it really just depends. I would say, you know, they're both similar in the fact that like, say, for example, like, you know, if somebody goes to the gym and like puts in just as much hard work as me, you know, for that given period of time, like their genetics are different and, you know, they just look different. So like objectively, there might say like, you don't look anything nearly as good as, as Mitch or whatever, or that you look way better than Mitch. And they've done the exact amount of same work. So the same thing for jobs, like you can have you know jobs that you put in a bunch of work that you're not really rewarded for. Then there's other jobs that you're very rewarded for, for, for putting in that effort. So True. it kind of, I think it's a pretty good, good comparison. Yeah. Growth, growth is the answer, right? Mm -hmm. I, I believe you can grow, grow in a role, applying the laws of the gym, if you will, if we use that metaphor again, I, I believe they're, they're universal and transferable. So if you're in a job and all of the consistency, perseverance and grit that you're putting in, but you're not growing, um, it, it might be the gym equipment at work, man. It, it, it just may not be the right environment that's conducive to your growth. Go find another one. But you know what, if I'm gonna step into the gym or job, I should say, I'm going to be asking those questions about what does growth look like here in this in, in this building, in this box, under this brand. I'm interested in growth. And I think hopefully from asking the good questions up front, you know whether you're stepping in a new in a great growth environment at work. Um, again, it'd be no different if I walked into a gym. If it's not conducive to my growth, I'm probably not going to join that gym, right? It has to provide a certain set of criteria that I'm checking off in my mind going, yep, that's there, that's there, that's there. I can grow here because growth, I think, is the answer. You're, you're a walking example of that. And, and I think that law of growth um, is prob probably most people are unconsciously unaware of that law of growth right there. I, I don't know. I struggle with that. And people who come to me who are stuck or stagnant, they've lost the growth mindset. They don't know how to grow. They're so focused on the outcome of where they want to be that the what and the how of getting there seem really overwhelming. So they just stay, you know, bumping against this lid of growth. And I don't know, I think that's a problem at work and in health and fitness, if you will. I think that was so. a lot of words there. Uh, a, good, a good analogy would be, you know, it's, it's a journey, not a destination. So people kind yes. of think of, you know, this is what I want, you know, in terms of, you know, physique wise, and this is what I want career wise, and this is what I want, you know, X, Y, Z. But, you know, people change over time, and you don't really know what life is going to, you know, serve you from that standpoint. So, I mean, for me, I never really had the intention of like being a fitness model. Like I just wanted to go to the gym because my girl, I had a girlfriend at the time and her mom was like, you're so skinny. 
like and people were kind of <laughs> giving me shit for it so and then you know I was I was really into swimming so I'm like okay well I'll start like lifting weights and then I got really really into it you know and after a couple years I was like thinking to myself like dang like I look pretty good you know senior year of college like I got a little bit more muscle like pretty lean um and I thought that like you know I was 160 because I went from like 130 to like 160 pounds and maybe probably like a year year and a half maybe like a year and that's a half that's some serious so. growth Mitch wow yeah so lots of lots of like newbie gains because I was so I was under eating I, I didn't know how to like lift I was eating like oh, newbie gains. I get it I get it okay fair yeah. enough I was eating like 1500 calories a day, like doing the same lifts, like not gaining strength. And then I took it seriously. And I thought like, you know, basically, you know, this is kind of it. This is like my genetic limit, you know, in terms of like how, mm. how big that I can be. And like, I'm probably not going to get much bigger, but you know, I noticed it like, you know, the gains are a lot more slow and steady and stuff like that, but I still go to the gym every day and I, I work hard. And then, you know, sometimes I'll get pictures of myself from like a year ago or a couple years ago. And I'm like, wow, like I made a lot of progress. It's a lot slower. It's not like 30 pounds in a month. But then, you know, people realize that. Um, and, and you realize that. And it gets to a point where like, dang, like I've been doing this for a long time. I like put in the effort that, you know, years of training that a lot of people don't get to this level to a point where, you know, people approach you at the gym and be like, dang, like you look crazy. Like, what do you do? Or something like that and then like on social media and whatever else the case may be like you get noticed and you know there's been opportunities that have, that have opened up for me on social media that they will monetize and, and stuff like that which is cool which I never had the intention of doing that you know I started a fitness account um, just to post workout videos and just do it for fun and I never knew that like it would grow not to say that I'm a huge influence or anything like that but um, like it still is enough to you know like it's more than my expectations were with it definitely um, yeah so that's interesting that your journey focus created opportunities you could not see uh from the beginning of your journey right you you would have never seen yourself as a social media fitness influencer of which you are um i, I don't know what kind of grading scale you need but yes sir you're a leader in the industry and an influencer but I find it interesting that was never your goal. You just wanted to show up and be better, right? Essentially. Yeah, I just like working out. Um, and that was the the biggest thing. And I just, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'll just start posting, you know, every, you know, every day on Instagram, you know, a couple of times a week. And then, you know, the followers kind of grew and stuff like that. But I already had the physique built, you know, which was the social proof. And it took time sure. to get to that, get to that level um, to where, you know, I could be like well respected on um, an Instagram or whatever because you know you need that um, you know to get in the algorithm and everything. So I think that you know I, I never really had any expectations. Same thing with um, it seems like always the things that work out the best for me have always I've always gone into the mindset of like I don't really have any expectations like going into this like we'll just mm, you know do my best and try to see how see how it goes um and same things come from you know like uh you know even dating like you know I met my current girlfriend basically it was just like yeah just you know I never had the intention of like oh this chick is the one you know I need to do this and this and this like there's all this high pressure and I was just kind of like yeah well like screw it I'll go on a date it was like a Wednesday night just kind of see how it goes and then you know just happen to 
you know, kind of snowball from there. And it's been like a year since we've met, um, you know, at this point or something like that. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that. So that's awesome. I think that people that, you know, get hyper-focused, like I need to be, you know, millionaire. I need to have this, 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 this. It's like, they kind of focus on the outcome rather than getting there. So it's just like, those are really big lofty goals. And, you know, you're not going to be able to do that overnight. So I think it like discourages a lot of people and they kind of get stuck or they just, you know, overanalyze it and they just don't do anything. But like, why don't you start by, you know, first, just like, you know, if you're, you're trying to get into fitness or, you know, if you're trying to like make more money, like, how about you start small, like, you know, mm-hmm. something that you can probably do within a couple months, like, you know, say, for example, if you want to, um, you know, get into, you know, a tech sales role or something like that, um, you know, which is, you know, if you want to work for like a bigger, bigger tech company or whatever, like for me, I started out, you know, entry level role, kind of moved into a few other roles, but now like I'm at the point where, you know, I'd be considered like a director of, of sales marketing, you know, job title wise, you know, a smaller company, but I have more responsibilities and you just kind of build on it and see where it takes you, you know, and it might lead to, you know, a bigger opportunity or for a bigger company, you know, kind of move up the ranks. Um, but, you know, necessarily do like, I have like a, you know, I need to be doing X, Y, Z, like, no, I'm just going <laughs> to do my best. And, you know, it'll, it'll kind of work itself out. Um, yeah. What I hear you saying is focus on the very next step, not, the other thousand steps it's going to take to get you to a vision but just just the very next one should should be a priority for you if we go all the way back to the beginning of our conversation about priorities yeah focusing what's happening like right now so like if my goal this year is to make like 150 200 dollars a year or something like that well i'm thinking about that i'm like that's a lot of money for me um you know to make you know how am i going to do that like i need to get this many sales and then you know it's like don't focus on that. Focus on like, what am I doing right now? Like to, to get in front of more people, you know, make phone calls, have meetings. Like you need to do all those things, you know, before any basics. Um, Same thing with the gym. It's like, I want to look like a fitness model. Um, Like you need to start by, you know, just, just trying to get like one or two more reps with the weight that you did last time. Like try to get a little bit stronger every time. Like try to do a little bit more cardio, try to, you know, keep your calories, up your calories a little bit more, try to gain some more weight, get stronger, um, and just keep doing that over and over and over again. It's like compound interest. It builds up over time um, to a point where, you know, it's really noticeable um, over the longer term. So, yeah. Mitch, man, I love the laws of the gym that you have applied um, here in this conversation. I think Again, I firmly believed that that we would raise them up to people's awareness because I think that's an easy metaphor for people to understand, right? You you fight resistance or gravity consistently over time. You're going to gain lean muscle. You're going to grow in size. You're going to look and feel better. It, again, I think we've made the metaphor pretty clear on how that can be valuable to you in really any aspect of life from a relationship all the way to employment. So body, mind, or spirit, the laws work, right? So I appreciate you coming back on here to to, to help flesh these out a little bit. Um, and I'm sorry, our first conversation was not recorded. There were some gold nuggets in there, but I think we've resurrected them if, if, I, if I mark my notes right. So I really appreciate you, Mitch, 
for saying Definitely. yes to the invite to come back. Um, you're a leader out there in the industry. I see you. I see what you're doing, and I see how you're applying these laws uh, to your daily life. And thank you for helping other people become aware of those. Sure. Definitely. You're such a wealth of information and perspective, and I appreciate your maturity and, and your leadership style is really captivating. I think that's what, what drew me to, to you in the first place was clearly any young man who can create what you've created physically comes from a mental place of strength and grit and courage and perseverance. And that is always a good story. Uh, and it's always a great perspective to remind people what they have the capacity to do. So thank you for, for being that personification of leadership out there. It truly does matter, my friend. And I hope you keep speaking to it through your influence and in, in your channels. It is it is a superpower that you, you've been gifted with for sure. Definitely, really appreciate that. Really appreciate that. Mm -hmm.